Welcome to the Vineyard on this Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day means a lot of things to a lot of people. There's uh, the greatest spectacle in racing going on up north of us just a little bit. How many have ever been to that race? All right, awesome. It is so cool. I've been going, gone a number of times since I was a kid. I was in color guard, used to march around the track beforehand, and, and uh, I've got a nephew now that's, that's uh, involved in uh, directing the military in the pre-race around the the track, and he'll be driving one of the trucks, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. To, to, to many people, Memorial Day, that's, it's the race, the race. You don't even have to say Indy 500, because everybody knows it's the race. Uh, for a lot of people, it's uh, a, a, a great time to go out and, and barbecue and uh, cook out in the backyard. How many have ever barbecued in the backyard before? Yeah, a few more than have been at the race. Not too many, though. Uh, and for some, it's camping. Uh, I know Susie and Josh are camping this weekend. You know, it's a great time for that. But the reason for the holiday is um, the reason for the holiday is uh, to commemorate those who gave their lives uh, in service to this country. You know, my dad and his five brothers all uh, served in, in World War II. And some in the in Europe, and you know my dad in the in the Pacific, and um, all six of the boys, all six of them, came back, which is very unusual for a family to have six uh, uh, six sons go and serve and all come back. So many weren't so fortunate, and this is a day that we honor those who paid the ultimate price, paid the ultimate sacrifice, and did not come back. So uh, let's just give a word of thanks for them. Father, we just want to thank you right now for those that laid down their lives, greatest expression of love that there could be, those that laid down their lives for us so that we could be free, we could enjoy the freedoms and the blessings that we do. We could enjoy going to the race, we could enjoy the barbecues, we could enjoy camping, we can enjoy uh, uh, all of the, the activities, the, the, the parties and, and the, the, the pool parties and everything that, that goes on this, this weekend. It's because of those brave men and women who laid down our, their lives. So we want to thank you for that. And Lord, ask that we, never, that we never forget, that we never take for granted those that did come back, but always remember the service they gave. Father, we also pray right now with the race going on up in Indy, pray for a safe race. I've seen a lot of them that weren't. So, Father, we pray for a safe race and that you would keep the drivers, the crews, the fans all safe. Let it be a good, safe race with no injuries. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> Major decisions. 
Anybody ever face one? Those of you that don't have your hand up, I don't know how you got so lucky. <laughs> Let me give a promo for next week's service uh, and a message. We're going to start a series on not being honest and not raising. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Um, um, <laughs> we've all faced major decisions. Some of you are facing them right now. And if you're not, then you will be at some point, probably in the not-too-distant future. Some of you may be here this morning wondering, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, in nearly 40 years of ministry, it's, it, that one question has been, without a doubt, the most asked question in my ministry. As, as you know, people ask, Why, what should I do? What am I supposed to do? Today we're going to continue our series that we began last week on talking about divine direction, trying to discern, to determine what God, will, what God wants us to do, what His will is. And we built a foundation for this last week. As we said, before we even ask that question, the first thing we need to do is we should first ask, why, or, or excuse me, who does God want me to be? Before we can ask, what does He want me to do, we need to pay attention to who He wants me to be. Because he cares a whole lot more about who we are than he cares about what we do. And he cares about why we do what we do more than what we actually do. And if you'll remember the story of Hezekiah that we talked about. Hezekiah, king Hezekiah was the, the, the king of Judah and he was leading after years of the nation, just, you know, getting away from God and, and you know, following after other gods and and idol worship and that, he's leading them back. He's putting in some reforms in the nation. He's leading the nation back to God. And he realized, wait a minute, this thing called the Passover, we haven't, we haven't celebrated that for years. We need to do this again. They had already missed the date, so it was too, too late to do it when they were supposed to. So they're about a month behind it anyway. And there were a lot of preparations to do. They were, they were going to celebrate the Passover, and in order to do that, they had to take time, and, and there were rituals, there were purification rituals, and, and things that they had to do to prepare themselves. You know, these are all things that, that had to do with, you know, there were rituals they performed, but they all stood for preparing and cleansing and purifying their hearts themselves to, uh, to celebrate the, uh, this Passover uh, uh, feast. So, you know, not everybody had completed all of these purification rituals and regulations that the law required because God, you know, it wasn't like one day they just, you know, hop in, okay, now we're going to celebrate this Passover and then they're off their merry way. It's like, no, they prepared their hearts. They prepared themselves ritually before this, moving up to it. And, and you know, one of the, 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 the neatest stories, I think, in the, in the Old Testament, one that really touches my heart, is that, you know, not everybody had purified themselves. Not everybody had gone through all the requirements of the law. But Hezekiah prayed. And as Hezekiah prayed, they were allowed to celebrate the Passover. Because even though they hadn't purified themselves, they hadn't done all the things required by the law, God cared more about the fact of their, where their heart was. And they had a heart that was moving back to God. And, and you know, God saw that. And it's like, you know, he recognized they have a heart that's, that's turning back to the Lord, turning back to God. And as they, as they did that, he, he allowed them to go ahead and, 
and celebrate the Passover even though they hadn't gone through all the ritual purifications because God cared more about their heart than he did about, you know, and why they were doing this than he did about them following the law to a T. So who and why matter more to God than what? Once we get the who we are in Christ, once we get the who down, once we get the, the, the why down, uh, then, we, uh, uh, then, you know, we can move on to the what. So when we're seeking God's direction, you know, thing is, I don't know about you, but when I seek God's direction, I want him to tell me, you know, what to do. I, I want everything in black and white, don't you? I mean, I want to know with the certainty. Okay, Lord, A or B? A or B? Kind of like you're in the optometrist office. A or B? One or two? And I have a hard time with those things. The, the first ones are easy. But then you get down to it, and it's, it's hard. But I want it as clear as a bell. I want it in black and white, you know. I want it written out. Uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, so many are graduating from, from college this weekend or this month, depending on where they're going to school. So many graduations, and they're, you know, interviewing for positions at different firms or different businesses, and, and the interview process. And let's say that, that you're interviewing and you, and you have six interviews lined up. You lined up for, for six interviews. You go through them all. You feel like, you know, I, I really feel like they went well. I feel like, you know, I was connecting with them. I feel like they went well. And, that, and then a week goes by. And then another one goes by. And it's two, maybe three weeks. And then you get a letter in the mail. And it's a job offer. You get a job offer. You go, oh, man, awesome, I got one. Then you start to wonder, should I take this or not? I mean, what if I take it and then tomorrow I get a better one? What should I do, Lord? What if I take this and tomorrow I get a better or, 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 you know, worse yet, what if I don't take it because I'm waiting for a better one? What if I turn this down and I don't get another one? Then what am I going to do? You know, that, we, we, we like it, things, you know, black and white. We want to, God to tell us exactly what to do, black and white. Yes, take that job because you're not getting another one, or no, you're going to get another one in three days. We want him to tell us exactly what to do in black and white. We don't want any gray area. We don't want any room for doubt or uncertainty. The problem is life just doesn't work that way, does it? Have you found that it does? I haven't. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. We're, we're, we're going to look at, at something that the Apostle Paul wrote, wrote to the believers at Corinth. And, you know, the shows that we, we, we often, we can't be certain how things are going to work out. Now, the Apostle Paul, you've got to remember, wrote most of the New Testament. God used him to write most of the New Testament. He planted churches all over the area, and he... Uh, had, had, had visions uh, of God in the heavenly realms that he couldn't even talk about, couldn't write about, couldn't tell anybody about. This is a great Apostle Paul. I want you to listen and look at what he wrote to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16, he says, Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want, I do not want to see... Uh, Yes, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. 
But I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Now, if you look at that, it looks like even the Apostle Paul was not being very decisive here. I mean, what he says to the Corinthians is full of uncertainties. It's full of ambiguities, you know, uncertainties. That's what I'm saying. He's full of uncertainties. I can't get that word out. I mean, think about it. Perhaps, maybe I'll stay with you for a while. I don't know. Maybe it'll be for a week or two. Or maybe for the winter. I really don't know. From there, I don't know where I'm going to go. Somewhere, though. I'm going to go somewhere. But, but first, I hope to be able to spend some time with you if that's okay with the Lord. But for now, I'm going to stay at Ephesus until Pentecost because I got a lot of opportunities here. A lot of opportunities, even though there's a lot of opposition. I mean, can you go to that and write down on your calendar what he's doing? No. You need certainty to write it on your calendar. You can't say, you know, you know, perhaps Paul will be here then, and he may be staying this long, he may be staying that long, I don't know. He didn't know what was ahead of him. He had some general ideas of what he thought, but he had no concrete plans or details, and yet he was serving God faithfully and effectively where he was. God doesn't always show us the details of where we're going or what we're going to do. I mean, when, think about when God called Abram to, to leave the land of his fathers. He said, Abram, go over this way. Start moving. I'm taking you out of this land somewhere else. Where are we going, Lord? What was that, Lord? I didn't hear you. I, I, I said, where are we going? God didn't tell him. He just said, start moving. So Abram said, okay, you're the boss, and he started moving. But he didn't tell him where he was going. Now, I like to wake up with a checklist, right? I like to wake up with a checklist of things that God wants me to do, places he wants me to go, and who he wants me to talk to, and what he wants me to say to them that day. So then I can just go down the list. Okay, go to this place, talk to this person, say this, check. Go to this place and do this, check. I mean, I'd like it cut and dried and, and to know, but, you know clearly, but life doesn't work that way because we're not robots that are programmed to just automatically respond when buttons are pushed. We're people, people in a relationship with our Creator. And He, he doesn't just give us a list of things and say, do this. See, relationship involves communication back and forth. It involves trust. He leads us and guides us as we grow in our relationship with Him, and He gives us wisdom. He gives us discernment to make decisions. One of the most important things you will ever need is wisdom. When Solomon became a uh, king as a young man, God appeared to him and said, Look, ask me for anything you want, and it's yours. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. I mean, he, he, and, and, and Solomon thought about it, and he goes, I need wisdom. God, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm king, and I don't know what I'm doing. Help me to lead this people. Give me wisdom. And God was pleased with that and, and, and gave him wisdom and a whole lot more on top of that. In fact, he gave him so much wisdom that he became famous throughout the world for it. 
Solomon recognized the importance of gaining wisdom. And that's where most of the book of Proverbs comes from is Solomon. And, and it's, it's full of wisdom. You want to gain wisdom? Spend your life in the book of Proverbs. So many topics it covers, so many things, wisdom about so much of life. Proverbs 4, 7, Solomon said, Get, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Today we're going to talk about getting wisdom. Wisdom to decide, wisdom to discern what we're going to do. We're going to talk about directional wisdom. Wisdom to know what to do. How do you know what you're supposed to do? How do you know what direction to take? I want to give you three simple words, easy to remember. First one is walk. The first word is walk. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, this is something that we need to do before we're in a situation where we need wisdom. You don't just get in a situation where I need wisdom because I'm facing this decision, Lord. I need wisdom, so I'll go start a walk with the wise now. This is something you do early on leading up to that. If you want wisdom to make right decisions and spend, people, spend time with people whose lives are characterized by wisdom, people who have a track record of making good decisions, of making right decisions, People in whose lives you see the evidence of wise choices. And again, don't wait until you need to make a decision to do that, but spend your life walking with wise people. Think about it. You're not going to go to a financial counselor who's broke and in debt up to his eyeballs to tell you how to, how to uh, uh, manage your finances, are you? You're not going to go to a fitness instructor that is out of shape and physically falling apart. You're not going to go to a marriage counselor who's been married and divorced eight times. Right? No, you look for people with a track record of wisdom. You walk with them. You go through life with them. You share life with them. Second part of that verse is, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The New Living Translation says it like this, associate with fools and get in trouble. The Good News Translation says it like this, if you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. I thought about whether I should put that one in there or not. When I saw it, you know, I, I, I looked up different translations and I thought, oh, that sounds kind of harsh. But, you know, it's true. It's true. There are stupid people. Okay, nobody here, but there are stupid people. I'm sure you all know one. All right? If you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. The people you walk with will determine the direction. They will determine where you go in life. And if you surround yourself with the wrong people, you will suffer harm. I can guarantee it. When King Solomon died, we talked about this recently, when King Solomon died, his son Rehoboam 
became king. Rehoboam is, 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 is uh, you know, he's Solomon's son, he becomes king. A guy named Jeroboam comes to him with some of the leaders of Israel and says, hey, you know, your father made life hard on us. Could you lighten our, our, our labor load, lighten our workload, and, and ease up on the taxes a bit? We've already been paying enough taxes. Can you ease up on that? And he says, come back in three days and I'll give you an answer. During those three days, uh, uh, Rehoboam consulted with some people. First, he consults with the men that had been brought up with his father. He consulted with his father's friends, his father's advisors and counselors. And they told him, you know, if you do what they're saying, you will have them for life. They will be loyal to you. They will be faithful to you. You will have them for life. So he goes, okay. And then he consults some of his friends, guys that he had grown up with, younger guys, and says, they want to, and, and they told him, they want you to lighten their load. You show them how strong you are. Hey, I'm stronger than my father was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay more work on you, and I'm going to raise your taxes. I'm going to make it more, you know, harder on you. So Solomon, or not Solomon, Re, uh, Rehoboam, you know, three days pass, Jeroboam comes to Rehoboam for the answer. And he answered them according to the younger guys, his friends, that all thought they knew better. And as a result, the kingdom was divided into two at that point. They revolted, they rebelled, and divided into, into two at that point. It matters who we surround ourselves with and who the influences in our life are. If you're trying to break an addiction, one of the most important things you can do is to stop hanging around people who encourage that addiction. In my life, I had to stop hanging around some of the friends that I was with because they were encouraging it. If you're an alcoholic... You're not going to stop if you keep going to the bars or keep on hanging around friends who keep offering you a drink. You've got to break those ties because it matters who you hang around with. They will determine where you go. Look at the people that you're hanging out with today. Look at the people that you're hanging out with now. And ask yourself, if they continue on the same trajectory, where are they going to be in 10 years? Think about it. And then ask yourself, is that where I want to go? Because that is where you'll end up. If it's, if, it's, if it's a good place, that's great. But if it's not, you need to make some changes. Um, there's a lot of truth in the old saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, you'll suffer harm. So, you know, it's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. If you want wisdom, walk with the wise. <laughs> second word, second thing, ask. Ask. So one of the most amazing promises that we have in the Bible is found in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, 
Ask our generous God and He'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God promises that if we need wisdom and if we, that, that, then, and if we ask Him for wisdom, that He will give it to us. And He will give it to us generously. He will gladly do it. He's not going to be upset with us because we need to ask. He's not going to say, what are you asking me that for? You should know the answer. Go figure it out on yourself if you don't already. He's not going to do that. He's going to be glad that we asked Him. He loves it when we come to Him and say, Hey, Father, I need Your, I need your wisdom on this. I, I, I need to know. I, I, I need you. He's not going to rebuke us or chastise us in any way for asking. He wants us to ask. He's glad when we say, God, I need Your wisdom. Just like a father is glad when his child comes to him and needs something, raises those hands and say, Daddy, I need this. Or Daddy, I need that. It pleases a father's heart. God wants us to come to him and depend on him, so ask him. But as you ask, be sure to ask in faith. And that means a couple of different things. One, it means you ask with expectation that he's going to answer. You don't ask with a, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know why I'm asking you because you never answer anyway. You ask with faith. You ask with God. I'm asking you this, and I'm expecting you to answer, and my, I'm all ears. I'm listening. I'm listening because we need to listen. You know, sometimes we can ask, but we don't really expect God to answer, and that's not answer, asking in faith. That's just going through the motions of asking. So I can say, well, I can check that off my list. I asked, and God didn't answer. We've got to ask in the, with the right heart and ask in faith. Second, asking in faith also means that when he does answer, we accept his answer as truth. Not as one option among several that we can choose from. When we ask him in faith, we need to accept what he says and, and not say, okay, God, I'll take that in consideration. Okay, so I've got option A, B, C, and D. God says D, but A, B, and C have these strengths and these possibilities. So which one do I take? No, it, we, we, we don't do that. We we ask with with a heart to accept his answer as truth means that when we ask and God speaks we believe what he says and we act on it we don't sit there and debate it in our minds as to whether he really knows what he's talking about as to whether his option you know, that he's telling us is the best or not. See, that takes faith, and it takes trust. Faith to believe what he's telling us and trust to act on it. Because honestly, I don't know about you, but I've found that sometimes what he tells me is not what I want to hear. I'm wanting him to say something else. I'm not always wanting to hear what he tells me. But when he speaks something, I need to be able to trust him, to trust that he knows more than I know and that he sees more than I see. I need to be able to trust in what he's saying, even though it may not be in my flesh what I want to hear. We trust 
that his counsel to us and his actions toward us come from his goodness toward us. And here's the thing. If we don't trust in God's goodness toward us, if we think he's always angry at us or looking for a chance to get us, or if we think that we know better than he does, then whenever he does give wisdom or direction or guidance, rather than accepting it as being the blessing from God than it is and as being the truth that it is, we end up judging it by our own understanding. And our own understanding is woefully inadequate. And that's why we ask God's wisdom in the first place. Psalm 32.8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God is good. His character, His nature, He is good. He knows the best pathway for our lives. He's not going to steer us in some direction other than, you know, what is what He knows is best for us. So we need to trust Him. So walk with wise people. Ask God for wisdom. And then decide. Decide. Some, some things, as you look at Scripture, you look at them and they're black and white. There are some, some things God clearly says, you are to do this, and other things He clearly says, you are not to do this. Those things are, 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 are black and white. And when we ignore those things, we get in trouble. And our lives turn into a mess. Much of the trouble that comes into our lives is because we ignore what God tells us. Not all of it. Some of it just comes to us because we live in a broken world. Some of it comes at us because the enemy is throwing things at us all the time. But much of the trouble that comes into our lives is simply because we ignore what God tells us. That's been a cause of a lot of my pain, a lot of the stuff in my life. But there's other things that are not black and white moral issues, things that he gives us wisdom to discern. We seek him. We seek his direction. We use our best judgment, and we decide. Now, you may say, well, what if I make a mistake? Here's if you make a mistake. It wasn't your first, and it won't be your last. We make mistakes. We make mistakes. We don't always hit it all the time. I've made plenty of them. But God guides us through them. See, God gave us a brain, and He expects us to use it. And He expects us, to, he, he, he gives a discernment and, and the ability to, de- to decide. He, he wants us to decide to the best of our ability, not on things that are black and white, but as He gives us His direction, decide on the best of our ability. And if we make a mistake, God is bigger than the mistake. And he's able to get us back onto the right road. Let's look at an event in the Apostle Paul's life. In Paul's travels, he was you know, struggling at one point on what to do. He wanted to go back and visit the church at Thessalonica uh, and, and encourage them and check in and just see how they were all doing. But they kept running into, in, in, into opposition. And you know, it just wasn't working out. His plans never worked out. He couldn't get there. He says, so he says he decided to stay and instead sent Timothy to them. But, but listen how he describes his decision in 1 Thessalonians 3. 
He says, so we could stand it no longer. In other words, we kept trying to get to you. It just wasn't working out. So we could stand it no longer. We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. He didn't say the Lord clearly spoke to us or the Lord told us in a dream. The Lord made it. He said, no, he says we thought it best. He uses his best judgment to decide. Things weren't going the way we tried, the way we wanted, the way we expected. So using the best, knowledge, best judgment and discernment that God gave us, we decided to stay here and send Timothy to encourage you and to check on you and see how you're doing. So walk with wise people. Ask God to give you wisdom. And then using your best judgment, make a decision and decide to act and trust God. Know that he's not going to lead you astray. Looking again at Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Not a good pathway for your life. Not one of the good paths. Not, you know, one of, one of several. The best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And when he guides us, he guides us in love. So I got a few questions for you. Just think about these for a moment. Where do you need wisdom in your life right now? Is there something that you've been asking God wisdom for? Where do you, wh wh what is it? Who are you going to surround yourself with? And how are you going to find those people? Well, I've been struggling with alcohol, so I think I'll go down to the bar and try to find some people that won't encourage me to drink. Not going to happen. Who's surrounding you? Who are you going to surround yourself with? What's the decision? What's the decision that you need to make? What's the decision that you need to make? And how will you step forward trusting God to guide you this week? This week. Now, the wisest decision you can make ever is to know that you can't do life on your own. That you need someone that is greater than you. Someone that has a proven track record. Who's proved his love. And that's Jesus. And we can ask him for wisdom. He won't always tell us what we want to hear, but he will tell us what the truth is, and we can trust what he tells us. I know most of you here, not, not everybody, but I just want to give an opportunity for anyone that may be here and said, you know, I've never made the decision to follow Jesus and to let him lead and direct and guide my life. Or maybe you're here and you've done that before, but things have happened, and like the Israelites, 
got away from God, started going after other things, started walking in a different path. God wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. And if you're, you know, you may, you, you may be thinking, how do I know he'll take me? I want to tell you this. His arms are open as wide as they could be. All you have to do is turn toward him. And he will run up to you, throw his arms around you, and embrace you. And pour his love out on you. Everybody close your eyes for a moment. Either of those scenarios fits you. That's you. And you say, I, I want to come to Jesus. I've never done this before, but I want to come to him. I need him. I recognize my need for him in my life. Or you've been far from home and you want to come back. Everybody's eyes closed. Just slip up your hand right now. I'm not going to take a long time on this. I'm just going to give you an opportunity. I always like to give an opportunity. Okay, let's stand. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. While they're coming, I want us. I I I want to pray. Father, I pray for every one of us here today. We all face decisions we need to make, some of them major decisions, some of them not as major, but at some point our decisions will be major. Lord, help us to look to you. Show us wise people that we can walk with people that have a track record of wisdom in their lives. Show us those people that we can begin to walk with them and learn and gain wisdom from them. Help us to realize, Lord, that we cannot do this on our own, but help us to ask of you ask you for the wisdom. Give us the wisdom to ask for wisdom, Lord, and not to try to be so foolish to think that we can figure it all out on ourselves. And as you speak, help us to decide. May we decide to act on the wisdom and the direction that you give us. Lord, 10 years down the road, I don't want to be where my own reasoning and my own thoughts have taken me. 10 years down the road, I want to be where your wisdom takes me, your guidance and your direction, because I know you have what's best for me in store for me. Lord, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you.
in Jesus' name. Amen.